thanks for joining us at the Ham South Podcast Network. If you're interested in joining us in our services, we meet at 10am on a Sunday at 131 or Hoporo in Melbourne. We'd love to see you there. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Neon Kids Programme. Neon is a before and after school care and school holiday program for primary and intermediate students. Neon has two centres operating in Rotatuna and in Melville. For more information, visit www.neonkids.co.nz. That's www.neonkids.co.nz. Now to the pod. Good morning. Hey, it was, um, it was that wonderful week for students where I, uh, I got my marks back this week. And uh, wow, wow, Zoe, laughing already. And, and, and to get your marks back, I had to scroll through my, my assignment and see what, what, uh, what comments the lecturer makes. And um, of course I did this, I, I proofread and everything, right, when it, before I submitted it. Um, and I'm scrolling down, and in paragraph two, there's this big capital letters, the sentence is like, talking about the birth of the church. And then in big capital letters, it says, talk about the birth of the church here. And yeah, I just left out a whole paragraph, but left my notes in there for me. Um, So that was wonderful. Um, And then the lecturer, his uh, comments were, you kind of answered this through a sociological lens rather than a theological lens. And I don't even know what that means, so. Great. Oh, that's what I was meant to do. Anyway, it's December. This is a special time of year. Uh, at home, we set up the tree. We set up the tree last week. Uh, and Lexi, thank you for those who have prayed for Lexi. Uh, she is she is well. Uh, we're not sure what did happen, um, but she is well. And she's really enjoyed walking around the trees, kind of trying to pluck the ornaments down. Uh, so we've put the the ones Holly really likes up high, um, and the ones which are you know they might be replaced one day down low. But she loves, she just loves walking around plucking. But she fell into the tree this morning, um, but she was okay. What's that? We might, oh, the tree's fine. Yeah, that's all right. Holly wants a new one anyway, so I'm wondering if she might have just given her a little nudge. Um, She didn't because she wasn't even in the room. Man, I'm glad she's not here today. All right. Now, we haven't... um, we haven't got our nativity scene out yet, uh, which is probably a good thing, but we are, we are intending to get a nice nativity scene uh, that Lexi can add to, uh, because we love Christmas. We love Christmas at our house. Um, we love looking forward to the time of Christmas. And in fact, from the beginning of time, Christianity has looked forward to this time of Christmas, maybe not as we know it now, but, but looking forward to the coming of Christ. When Adam and Eve were dismissed from the garden, for eating for the fruit of the forbidden tree. God promised a time when the serpent who tricked them would be defeated. Genesis 3 tells us that God says to the serpent, because you have done this, because you have tricked them, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. From the very moment that humanity turned its back on God, God was happy to reveal his plan to us, that there would be a time coming to look forward to when Satan's head would be crushed. And as the story continues throughout Scripture, God reminds his people and points to a future that he was creating for them, to Abraham, 
the old man with no offspring. He says, I will give you a lot of descendants, and in the future they will become great nations. Some of them will even be kings. And you know what? God's word came true. His promise to Abraham came true. The story continued. He promised his people that he would take them from slavery to a land flowing with milk and honey. And in Exodus, we see the story of the Israelites leaving slavery and in Joshua entering the land of milk and honey. And God continues to come through with his promises for them. Continues to come through that they know that when God speaks, when God promises, they can believe. Because what he has done is what will happen. Or what he says he will do is what happens. And God continues to have his people to point towards this time when he would send the people their rescuer, their saviour. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. And the people lived, and they looked forward to what God had promised, because they knew what God had promised in the past had come true. They knew that God could be trusted. Looking forward, looking forward to what has been promised and living in a way that believes it will happen based on what has been proven true in the past has a wonderful theological term, a wonderful Christmas term. It is hope. That is what hope is, living in the present because what God has promised you know will come true because of how he has acted in the past. And hope came. Hope came after 400 years of silence between God and his people. Hope came. When an angel came to Mary and said, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And hope, hope's story continued. And because Joseph was descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a son. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son, she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Hope was here. And he wasn't what anyone thought he would look like. A baby born in a stable, laying in a manger. Not where kings are meant to be born. But a fitting start because Jesus came and did it all differently. Not differently to how God had promised, 
but differently to how society had interpreted it. He didn't come and conquer Rome as a mighty warrior, but he did come and he conquered. He conquered something so much greater. The gospel of Jesus, the start of Jesus' story, it is part of the fulfillment of hope. It is the fulfillment of hope for God's people in the Old Testament, a time where prophecies were fulfilled. A child born to a virgin would come. The Messiah, the one who would live and prophesy and show the world God and be not believed by his people and be pierced and scorned and die on a cross and come back to life three days later. All prophecies, all fulfilled by Jesus. But this is only part of the fulfillment of hope because there is more to the story. There is more to his story because he invites us into his story. He invites the church into the story of hope. The church today, we don't get to look forward to the first coming of Christ. We don't, we don't get to have Christ walking among the earth as God and man, teaching and healing and loving and uniting. And sometimes I wonder if that's a good thing, that we don't get to see that, because, because the church of his day didn't recognize him. And I don't think I'd like to be part of a church that didn't recognize Jesus. The lawmakers and the pastors missed him. And so maybe it's a good thing that we live on this side of his first coming, of his life, death, and resurrection. Because we get to point towards his new hope. We look forward to the second coming of Christ and the hope that that entails for us. Scripture tells us that Christ is the hope of the world, but on this side of the cross, it isn't his job to show humanity that. It is our job. It is the job of the church, because in all the things that God has done, Ephesians tells us, God's purpose is to use the church to display his wisdom and its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And we do this by being his church, following our Jesus, pointing others towards him, and doing what he did, being led by his spirit, praying for the sick, bringing the outsiders back into society, loving the helpless and the unloved, and pointing towards the future return of Christ. The church is the way that points to this hope, the hope of the second coming, the hope of the eternity that we get to spend with God. We point to hope. We share our hope. We live out our hope as we wait for what has been promised to eventuate. And so this Advent season, we're going to look at Look at what is the hope we have in Christ, but, but what holds us to Christ? Why do we hold to this man, this God-man as our Savior? And over Advent, we'll explore the themes, hope, love, peace, and joy. Is it because of the love that you've experienced from Christ? Because there are people in our community, in our neighborhood, in our, in our nation that need to experience this love as well. There are people that are lonely, that are isolated, that are hurt, that are there for us to show his love as we show them our love. He asks the church to show his love. He asks me to show that love, and he asks you to show that love. 
Do you hold to Jesus because it's the joy, because of the joy that you've experienced being his follower and God's purpose? Joy is a funny, a funny term uh, in, in Scripture because joy is always tied to trials. And we see joy on the other side of our trials because, man, we, we miss it when we're going through the hard stuff, eh? And then we look back and see, oh, that was God's plan. That was God working. God had a purpose for me to, to, for me to experience that. But how do we show that joy to the world in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their trial? I think that's something we have to grapple with because it's not very, like you could have told me last week, oh, you know, God has a plan for Lexi. Well, I'm waiting for, for, to hear back at the A&E and I don't want to hear that, you know, because we're human and we have these emotions. So how do we show the joy of knowing Christ in the midst of each other's struggles? We need to find how to do that as a church because there is a world out there who struggles as well. Maybe you hold to Christ because it's the peace that you have experienced, the peace that comes without understanding. Because no matter the situation, you hold to Christ as the anchor of your soul, the one who endured suffering and turmoil and loss and pain and death, so that when we are facing those things, we can turn to the one who has walked that path already, endured and eclipsed those things. Because we live in a world that needs to know peace, both inner peace and, and greater outer peace. The world is a violent and dangerous place, a busy and hurried place. And we aren't called to sit in our communities in here, but to go into the communities, into our workplaces, into our neighborhoods, and bring peace. Or is it because you know the hope that you have in Christ. That when, that when he said that he was preparing a place for his followers, you know he means that he was also preparing a place for you. That you know that he has defeated death. So even though we may experience our earthly demise, we will live eternally with him. Is it because you know the hope that you can live in his victory, knowing that because everything else that he has said he will do, so you know that he will win in the end. You have hope. The world needs hope. We need to share hope. We need each other to be that hope because we cannot be a people that only looks to the past and tries to change things in the past. We can't change the past. Looking to the past to try and change it is called regret. Jesus didn't come for regret. He came for us to look forward. He came for us to hope. John's picture in Revelation towards the end, then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight the one sitting on the horse and his army. And the beast was captured 
and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all those who accepted the mark and who worshipped the statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the horse. Now, I don't know where you sit on Revelation, but I know this was a a picture given to John. And it shows us Jesus riding a white horse. And it shows us his army behind him dressed for war, dressed, dressed in white. In the finest of linen, Jesus' army is dressed in white linen. Has anyone seen a war movie with, with an army dressed in white linen? Everyone, everything, the beast was captured, the false prophet was captured, and everyone who opposed, Jesus dealt with. Jesus dealt with it, and his army sat there in their nice white linen, probably praising Jesus. We get to look forward to the time when Jesus does what Jesus would do. We don't fight that battle that end battle. That's Jesus and he wins. And we don't even get dirty doing it because we're dressed in white linen, riding our horses. Our battle is now bringing peace to the world, bringing joy to the world, bringing love to the world, bringing hope to the world. We can live in confidence that he wins the final battle because everything else that he has said he will do, he has done. And so as we come to this Christmas season, the time where we remember that Jesus came, look to what he has promised. Look to what he says he will do. And look at what he says you have and what you are. He says you are a masterpiece created anew in Him to do the works He has for you. Stop thinking that you are less than what the living God says you are. You are a masterpiece. And remember what you have. You have the Holy Spirit to connect with Him. And now you have also heard the truth, the good news that saves you. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom He promised long ago. And you have the Holy Scriptures to connect with Him, to remind you of His promises, to remind you of His fulfilled promises and what we have to look forward to to come. Christ is the hope of the world and He asks His church to reveal that hope to others. He asks His masterpieces to go and uncover more masterpieces. His church to go into the corners of the neighborhood, of the city, of his country, of his world, and point more people towards the hope that his church already has in him. This Christmas, this Advent season, celebrate that he has come. Celebrate that he has lived, that he has sent his spirit for you. And celebrate the hope that he will return. He will finish his task. And we are invited to stand with him. In him we live.
we breathe and we have hope. Hold on to that this Christmas season. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you do the heavy lifting in this relationship. You do the hard yards. You walk the path of suffering to the cross. And you beat the cross. And in the end, you, you, you fight the battle on your own as we get to spectate. But God, I, I, I think the hardest battle was giving up who you were, giving up your power, all your, all your godness and coming to earth to show us how to relate back to the Father. Thank you that you came. Thank you that you gave up who you were that you could show us how to live a life looking towards the one who loves us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for who you are, for what you have done, and what you will do for us in the end. Help us remember and share that. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this week's message. Before you go, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Neon Kids Programme. NEON is a before and after school care and school holiday program for primary and intermediate students. NEON has two centres operating in Rotatuna and in Melville. For more information, visit www.neonkids.co.nz. That's www.neonkids.co.nz. Thanks again.